What is up, Fantasy Alarm family? My name is Justin Fensterman, along with Ryan Hallam, and it's time for a little family meetup, and I'm a sucker for family reunions, especially when it's the Family Times podcast here on FantasyAlarm.com, going over what's going on not only around the fantasy sports universe, but especially with active sports as well, knee-deep into fantasy football, fantasy baseball, Dunzo. Hockey has just started, and oh, I love me some basketball. Mr. Hallam, how you doing? How are things, especially after week six of the fantasy football uh, season? Well, man, don't forget college football, PGA, NASCAR. It is the I'm not perfect, right Hallam, now. okay? Everything is going right now. It is uh, a whirlwind of sports on a daily basis. So, yeah, things are good, man. Busy as hell, but uh, happy to do this. Happy to uh, be doing this as a job, for God's sake. So, yeah, everything is good. Yeah, I never know what you're doing there, Hallam. So with that, let's, <laughs> let's talk about our teams a little bit and players that have been good and players. Now, we're not going to go through the motions like we have been over the last number of weeks. We're going to start talking about some serious business because there are players out there, and I don't like to be Mr. Negativity, but there are people out there that are right now 0-6, and 1-5, and, and they're thinking of packing it in for the season, Ryan. And look, I'm not going to sell it, and I've, I've used this phrase a lot lately. I'm not going to sell anyone a bill of goods or anything like that. It's very difficult coming back from 0-6. Impossible? No. You better be scoring a lot of points there if you're via tiebreaker. But is it very difficult, and you need just about everything to go right? Hell yes. If you're 1-5 right now, you fall into that same boat, and you probably suffered a lot of injuries unless you're really not paying attention. But – now is the time, Ryan, as well, where players who are kind of sucking in fantasy right now could make for good buying opportunities, good buy low opportunities. Like, let's just say, for instance, you're sitting there with a Derrick Henry of all people. Derrick Henry, he's the king. He's the he's best. He's, he's all right. He scores <laughs> touchdowns on occasion. Let's say you're sitting there with Derrick Henry, but the rest of your team absolutely sucks. Your receivers are just horrible. They're trashed or underperforming. You then came back. Maybe, I don't know, after Derrick Henry, you got him. Maybe somehow, someway, you got a Najee Harris if you're in a 10-team league. You've got Henry. You've got Harris. Maybe another running back a few rounds later as well. So you feel like you're somewhat secure. Maybe now's the time where you trade off that big of an asset just so maybe you could try to secure some kind of depth so you can have the overall big picture run with good players at those positions rather than just having your Derrick Henry and then everybody else has been sucking and all you're doing is playing on the waiver wire for quarterbacks and tight ends. I'm not saying Derrick Henry specifically, but now presents a good buying opportunity as well for everybody on the other side. And so how and with that, I mean, players that we've talked about before, Robert Woods, now all of a sudden in the last two weeks, he's come alive. So now you're not going to get as great of a value. Someone like, I don't know how you feel about someone like an Allen Robinson who just continues to disappoint, not all his fault or anything like that, was open this past week. Again, Justin Fields isn't hitting him, but now's a good time where you could be buying low, Ryan. And that's where we can't forget about that while we're going through the usual motions of games, waivers, roster management, set your lineups. We have to break the cycle at some point to better our teams and better ourselves. Yeah, I think it's definitely, it's kind of make or break time. Um, and this is the kind of, you know, I hate to do a trade where you're giving away the best piece. Um, but if you're 0-6, 
uh, you, you don't might not have much of a choice. Uh, I, I think this is also a good week to change uh, to make a trade because so many people are there's six teams on by. So everyone's kind of looking at the team and going, oh, my God, I have to start Nico Collins this week. I got to do something like uh, some, some, whoever. Nico uh, Collins. So I think uh, or Darius, like, you know, something somebody you're looking at something. You're probably not starting somebody that great this week. So uh, I think that's another reason this is a good week to trade. But if you're in that kind of hole. Yeah. I mean, how, you know, Derrick Henry. OK. Another 130 yards and a few catches and three touchdowns last night. Uh since we're recording on Tuesday. Uh, but he, I know he's the number one player right now. He's not going to do it every week. And you really can't afford a loss right now. You really can't afford any more losses. And if you're 0-6 with Derrick Henry, then his three touchdown games aren't helping you. No, so, they're uh, not. You don't have anything else. And you know it's hard to value, but you're unfortunately at the mercy of the rest of your league. But, and this is another strategy that I've talked about on Alarm After Hours, what you do is you go to one of the contending teams that are maybe in first, second, third place being like, hey, I got your final piece to the puzzle puzzle right here. Derrick Henry, what do you give me for him? Land yourself maybe a top three quarterback matched with a second tier running back, a second tier wide receiver. I mean, you can really get some serious depth. I'm not saying do a one for eight trade or anything like that, but sure up your depth a little bit. You've got to do something. And that's the other part of this conversation too. You can't really think big picture if you're 0-6, you're 1-5. You don't have that luxury. You're playing survivor at this point. You're trying to survive in your league so you don't go down to 0-7 where you're pretty much cooked at this point. So when it comes to that, you're playing for the week. You got to make sure that you're focusing on winning today, and that way you can make it another week. You got to keep yourself alive. Absolutely. The only only thing I will say is, Make sure you're getting good value. Don't trade Henry or whoever we're talking about away to get, you know, two, three okay pieces. First of all, it's not going to help you. Second of all, don't throw off the balance of power in the league uh, in a desperation move. So if someone's in first or second and you throw Derrick Henry on their team, that's going to help them out a lot. So if if you don't get the right thing back. So definitely make sure. What if you take a good amount of their depth away? Oh, that's what I'm saying. Make sure you get the right deal. Yeah. but yeah, you're right. You, you, it's a week-to-week game for you right now. Are you picking up the Ernest Johnson? Uh, you know, because you know the Browns' entire backfield is hurt this week. Yeah, I mean, if I'm sitting in a regular position, I'm not blowing sixty percent of my fab on this guy. We learned that last year when everybody did that. But at least for this week, I mean, it really. What other options do the Browns have? It's Felton and it's Johnson. So this week, I think he'll be good. Uh, you know, so I think you need you're gonna have to pull. I don't want to say desperation moves, but you have to pull some moves that you might not normally pull. Let's talk about some of the players that are frustrating fantasy investors. We mentioned Allen Robinson already. Next player, let's go to the running back side and mention Miles Sanders. Any hope for this guy at this point, Helen? Because it's it's honestly frustrating. He should be used more. He's not. Doesn't help that he has Jalen Hurts on a squad under center. But it just seems like, I don't want to say there's no hope, but something's not working in the minds of the Eagles coaches because this guy is just not being trusted with the offense, with getting a bigger piece of the offense. And I really don't know why. Yeah, I mean, the only thing I can think of is, you know, they're seeing things during the week that we're not seeing. But also on Sunday, it's not like he's, you know, dominating the few touches he's getting. He he kind of looks kind of average, but I think the whole offense looks kind of average. Except, you know, Jalen Hurts pulls off a couple big plays a game. 
Uh, you know, Don, Devonta Smith seems to be the uh, the beneficiary of most of them. Maybe Dallas Goddard now that they traded Zach Ertz away. Uh, but yeah, I don't have a whole lot of faith in Sanders. I doubt you have three running backs better than him if you're playing two running backs in a flex. So I, I guess you keep throwing them out there. Uh, but yeah, I don't know that I see the tide turning for him this season. And honestly, you brought up Allen Robinson. I, dude, I'm not saying I've given up on him, but I don't know that he's going to come back. I, I think it seems like Darnell Mooney has passed him as far as production t- targets, uh, you know, down the field. Uh, you know, Robinson's not getting very many catches and he's not doing much with what he's getting. Uh, so uh, he's a guy that I have on several teams. I had high hopes for him, and, and I never understood. And I've said it before on this show. Why the hell everyone was so in for Justin Fields? He's terrible. He's playing terribly. Uh, so I'm hoping for Andy Dalton back at this point if I have Allen Robinson because at least it's somewhat reasonable quarterbacking. I mean, uh, Fields is just – and I get it. He's a rookie, but, I mean, he's he's just – He's a detriment to the offense right now. I was going to say, have you been consistently impressed at all, even for a few weeks span, with any rookie quarterback thus far? No. None. No. Not even – I mean, Lawrence – I mean, Lawrence will show a drive here, you know, a few drives a game where you're like, all right, there it is. But, I mean, Trey Lance, obviously, I don't know what the hell that game plan was, so he didn't really do all that well. Uh, Zach uh, Zach, Zach Collins. Zach Wilson plays here and there? Yes. But he, you know, it's the same plays that we saw him coming out of college. Like he'll do this wacky throw it across the field stuff that you're not supposed to do. And sometimes it hits. He had that one really good game. I can't think who it was against at the moment, but uh, for the most part, he's been not very good. Uh, Davis Mills. I mean, he's had that one good game also, uh, but no, not really. I haven't been overly impressed with any. I can't believe you dropped a Zach Collins during a, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> football discussion. I know what you have on the mind, Mr. Spurs. Uh, yeah. Who am I thinking of? I'm thinking of the power forward for the Hawks. Who's that? You're, you're thinking John of Collins. John Collins. John Collins. That's Zach Col- I'll tell you this about Zach Collins. Zach Collins, very talented. His body is made of glass. Yeah. Let me okay. tell you that. Just body is made of glass. Let me t- ask you about Trey Sermon because – we're at the point here now coming off the bye where some of us are going to be very desperate. They're going to have to start this guy against Indy. Is there hope for Trey Sermon to carve out a nice size role week after week after week? Or are we going to see more of what we've been seeing now that Elijah Mitchell is back? He's healthy. It seems like they're going in his direction. But I at least thought that Sermon would get a little bit more love in this offense. Stupid me. I did too, but the minute that Mitchell was back and he was the guy that they went to the most, that kind of thought went out the door for me. Uh, I do think as long as Mitchell's healthy, he's going to get more carries than than Sermon will. I have very little hope for him this year. I mean, hopefully, you know, in the future, maybe it'll carve out, but if you're in a redraft league in week seven and something else is out there, I think you might have to cut ties. I mean, Jeff Wilson is supposed to come back at some point, who performed pretty well last year too. Uh, he's probably not far off, uh, which will complicate things matter um, complicate things more. Uh, Jamichael Hasty will come back, who you know hasn't been great, but Shanahan keeps giving him the ball. So, uh, you know, I can't say that I have a whole lot of hope for for Trey Sermon right now. Let's move over to the wide receiver position because there are some odd men out. I feel like on their teams, or at least starting to show a bit, and going to the Bengals, where Joe Burrow has been good. 
You feeling like Tyler Boyd is being left out in the cold? Because, I mean, look, the target share has gone down. He's not scoring. I mean, you're looking, by the way, at red zone targets for this team. I don't want to say they're non-existent, but they're very low. I mean, I was actually like just quickly scrolling through a lot of teams to see how many red zone targets have been given to their receivers. And I've been seeing on most of the teams that they at least have one receiver with six. And I don't want to misspeak here, so I forget who it is. I'm pretty sure it's either it's either Chase or Higgins. Someone on the Bengals, the most amount of red zone targets, three, and that's it. I would imagine it's T. Higgins because they're not getting him in the red zone because Jamar Chase, Chase catches 65-yard right. touchdowns all the time. So, right. yeah, I, uh, Higgins, uh, I, I would guess. I don't have it and on the And they're just going to continue to run the hell out of Mixon, too, so that's going to be a problem. So between all of that, Tyler Boyd, and this was what I was afraid of when I drafted him because I was trying to figure out which Bengals wide receiver to draft. And we read all that negative crap that I didn't – I do have a few shares of Chase, but the whole him dropping passes, him not using the correct footballs, size footballs in order to practice with and improve with his hands. I mean, that all didn't get to me or anything like that. But let's just say because I have one share of Higgins, I have about four shares of Boyd, and two of Chase, it made me maybe go to the side of Boyd a little bit more than Chase. And I was able to save around a half a round of draft capital. So that was also part of it as well. So Tyler Boyd not looking good, Helm. No, and I think it, it played out the most. It was most glaringly obvious when T. Higgins was out because then he did get targets and catches those right. couple weeks. So it was, it was blatantly obvious that he is third on this team and it's going to continue as long as the other two are healthy. Uh, you know, they're just much better, more dynamic, exciting receivers. Uh, and I think Chase, you'd even say, is in front of Boyd, right? Uh, in front of Higgins right now, uh, as far as production and targets and, and everything like that. So, yeah, definitely Boyd is bi week insurance at this point is, is the best that she can give you and hope in PPR leagues that he catches four or five passes in a game. Someone that's a little bit frustrating that I thought would have a bigger season than he's had thus far as Antonio Gibson fracture in his shin. I mean, dude, this is a situation where what he's going to play through the pain the rest of the time. So he's going to go down with an injury. And we're going to have to deal with this thing. All the way hear the broadcast. If we decide to stomach the broadcast that whatever is on say, Oh, well, Gibson on the side again, he just can't seem to shake. I mean, dude, I don't want to deal with this man. It stinks because it's it's one thing when your player is out. It's quite another when your player is literally limping on the field every single play because it's not going to translate good for Gibson. And I'm starting to wonder if we're as fantasy football players, and it depends, I guess, on what your record is. Do I want my big-time investment in the first or second round to continue to try to play through this fracture in his shin or – Maybe he sits out the next two games, then they have the bye, and then you know what? You come back either at Tampa or Carolina, and you're probably 100% or close to it. I don't know what to think at this point. Yeah, it's definitely a concern because if he plays, you kind of have to start him. But again, there's nothing worse than a guy who starts a game and can't finish it. Like That's the most frustrating thing for me in fantasy, and it's like... Uh, you always want to finish. That's right. And first, too, of course. Um, but, you know, 
I, except for last night when I had the under on Julio Jones's yards, did I ever want to see? You never want to see this person's injured and out for the game. Like that's the most, that's the worst because it's like, you know, you're done. Whatever points you have, that that's all you're going to get. And and certain guys like him, uh, I think Baker Mayfield is going to come into this if he keeps trying to play through the shoulder injury. Uh, you know, and you don't know what to do, but it's going to be a game where they survive and they, and, and Gibson will, you know, run for 80, have five catches and a touchdown and you're kicking yourself in the ass and you don't want to do every week. So, yeah, I, and I think that will, I'm interested to see if it affects this draft stock next year, because he did kind of the same thing last year. And it, you know, fantasy football drafting is kind of funny because it's like, you know, if you really start, you, some people start in like July, especially like us with like the fishbowl and things like that. And it's so funny to watch guys ADP, and I know you love to watch ADP, uh, to just change over those couple months. And I feel like Gibson got a head of steam towards the end uh, where everyone just started to like really buy in heavy. And I wanted to see if that happens again this year, uh, you know, obviously depending on where he finishes out. But this is not a good, uh, a good sign in the middle of October that this might be the way the rest of the season. And the Washington offense is kind of concerning on a whole for me. It is, but I'll say this. I, I got a nice little dart in Ricky Seals-Jones as someone yeah. that was able to put in. I actually had double flex tight end because there was literally nothing out there, and I needed the points because I just have one team that's badly injured. By the way, you mentioned the Scott Fishbowl. I am ter- I am lucky to have one win in that league. I am terrible in that league. There is, there is no, My teams are hopeless at this point. I've got so many injured players. It's just... It's very, very debilitating. Let me tell you, maybe going McCaffrey first overall wasn't the smartest idea. Well, I mean, you, you couldn't see that coming. I, no. I, I took McCaffrey in number one in any league that I, I had the first pick. So I, I don't think you can second guess that. It's just, you know, unfortunately, the same things happened in the second year. I mean, I didn't make the playoffs of the fishbowl. I don't think my first three or four years. Uh, and right my now, first year, I made it to the preliminary round, the first did round. That was that was that. I believe I did. I think I did. And then it's been bad ever since. By the way, speaking of pretty bad, pretty bad, only because look, when I look at who's producing bad, good, I look at on a full PPR level and six points per passing for like a touchdown reception, not four. Six points. That's the standard I look for where you're really bad or good. So I look at double figures. However, for someone like Darren Waller, you want more than 10 points. You're expecting, based off the investment you made in the late second round for him, you want more than just 10 points. And that's around what this guy gives you every single week in full PPR, man. I mean, this guy was a target monster. And now you saw him get the 19 in week one. And Mm -hmm. since then... Seven 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 eight five. Not the worst, but here's the problem: he has not had a single game in which he's caught more than five passes since that amazing week one, and that's a little bit of a problem because Derek Carr has had some big games, but he this guy hasn't. This guy could barely eclipse sixty yards, fifty yards. I mean, dude, at this point, what are your thoughts on Waller? You try to buy low on him if you can, because here's the problem. You shouldn't be thinking in terms of draft now. We're already six, seven weeks removed from that. But you know the casual audience is going to be like, I drafted this guy in the second round. How dare I undersell him? He's an interesting case. And I do think that first game really kind of is, is something that screwed everybody. Because like 19 targets the first week, everybody was like, yes, this is going to be it. And then it's like, 
now he's a, uh, like you said, it's okay, but it's a lot like a lot of other tight ends. And, you know, we talk about, you know, how shallow the tight end position, uh, you put his numbers up against Noah Fant and I don't have them in front of me, but I bet you they're not that far off. And Noah Fant was drafted many, many rounds later. So I think it's the frustration comes in from, you know, how well he did the last two years, although two years ago, he didn't score a lot. He just caught a lot of passes. Uh, Noah and, Fant and, is like right behind him in production. We're talking like five or six points. That's a, yeah, and that was probably eight rounds difference in draft capital. So yeah, I, I think between week one and then you know what you drafted him at is, is is the problem. And you're right; it's not like the Raiders aren't throwing the ball. It's not like the Raiders aren't putting up points. It's just not going to him, and I don't understand it. I don't know if defenses are are taking that much pressure. And putting it on Waller because I mean, outside of Rugs, who are you really worried about? And even Rugs only throw to like Brian Edwards beat you. Brian Edwards only catches balls with two minutes to go in the game. That's when he uh, steps on the field apparently for the first time. If there was a if there was leagues where he got points for fourth quarter production, Brian Edwards would be a number one pick. But uh, yeah, I, I don't I don't know. There's not an explanation. Like you said, eight targets and seven targets isn't bad. Uh, the fact that it went down to five last week is, is also concerning. Like. You can't. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know that you. I don't think that if you have Waller, you're trading him. I think you got to go down with the ship. Uh, I think you got to be the guys. Tight ends a very hard position. Yeah, unless you're getting someone with at least maybe uh, no offense, and and you're picking up another piece. uh, You know, maybe that's something you can look into. But I I feel like, and I, if if you if you took one of the first three, and I think we talked about this with Kittle a few weeks ago on our show. uh, You know. Is the person who had who took the second round bump on him willing to trade him even though and now Kittle's hurt? So I mean that's moot, but this is the same conversation we're having, you know, a few weeks later with Waller, and I think you pretty much just got to go down with him and hope that that he regains some of his 2020 form. Yeah, and I'm actually looking at tight end stats for the season just to see if there really has been anybody that you picked up that has made that much of a season long impact. Dalton Schultz. Yep. That's someone right there that you've been able to pick up. I mean, Dawson Knox was Broke someone that helped for a few weeks. He's helped for a few weeks. He was scoring. But then after that, I mean, you were people were still drafting Mike Gusecki. Hunter Henry was the other guy. I got him that's, a lot. That's really about it. I mean, you've had a bunch of randos. You had your Mo Alley Cox week and your Conklin week. Your, you know, Friar Muth week. Like it's, it's, you had randos that are having big weeks. I mean, I had Zach Ertz have a couple of decent performances. Rob Gronkowski, who was drafted, started off great and then he got hurt. So, I mean, there hasn't really been much in the tight end department when it comes to great and consistent. You know what I'm saying? No, and there never is. And I think that's, you know, the people who, who, you know, hang their hat on Travis Kelsey. And I think that's the reason because he's like the one guy you can, you can absolutely trust. And unfortunately, I think Dawson Knox broke something in his hand last night. So hopefully he's not out for too long. Uh, that kind of takes him out of this, this discussion too. So, yeah, I mean, that, there's your advantage of Travis Kelsey if you can stomach the first round pick that you have to spend on. Okay, then let, let's go over the leaders. Let's play a little bit of a game quickly. Let's go over the leaders here. In the top five for fantasy quarterbacks, and again, in leagues in which it's six points per passing touchdown. Okay. Right now in the top five, you've got Tom Brady and Matthew Stafford. By the end of the season, 
Will both of them still be top five fantasy quarterbacks overall? I think they both have a really good chance. Yeah. I mean, I think both of their teams are humming, you know, both their offenses run really well. Uh, and both these guys are just clicking on all cylinders. Brady's got three top receivers. Uh, Stafford has two, uh, you know, Stafford doesn't have the greatest running game. So I think they ask him to do a lot. Uh, you know, his division, the 49ers secondary is, is decimated by injuries. The Seattle secondary just isn't very good. Uh, and Brady, it, it just doesn't seem to matter who Brady's playing. It's like it's like he's hit another level. I don't know how at whatever age he is, 44, I think. Uh, how he just this seems to be the best he's ever played. Uh, and, and it's like every week, it doesn't even matter. Like good defense, bad defense, he just tears every single one apart. Uh, so yeah, it wouldn't surprise me if they're both in the top five by any stretch. Cordero Patterson, someone who just came off his bye. Having an incredible year out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. Does it continue? Is this a guy that you could think at the end of the day? Take, I'm looking at his stats and I'm coming up with a number in my head. Can you see this guy producing in a full point PPR where touchdown rushes or receptions are six points? Can you see this guy averaging 17, 18 points per week in a full PPR? <clears throat> Uh, 17, 18 might be a bit of a stretch, maybe 15. I know Matt Sells will probably have a coronary when he's editing this because we had a big discussion about him a couple weeks ago. But, I mean, the guy just keeps doing it. I, you know, we talked about it against the Jets. He had 54 yards rushing and seven catches against the Jets. And, and I think there's just not that much else on this team. I mean, Calvin Ridley, okay, he's back this week. And, and Kyle Pitts looked like what we thought we hoped he would before the bye in London. And that's it. Like, that is – it Mike Davis is okay. Uh, you know, Russell Gage is okay. They haven't got nothing else, man. And, and you know, I don't care how much he's on the field, like, he's getting the production. He's had five catches or more in four straight games. His carries are actually going up. He had 14 in London against the Jets. So, I, I think it's just lack of options that they're going to keep using him. And Matt Stafford, um, Matt Ryan is not throwing the ball down the field, so he's the perfect target for the guy because you're going to throw it six yards down the field and he's good in space. So you get him a, a swing pass and, and get a blocker in front of him. He's shown a lot of uh, ability. And I think he's been a kick returner before. And I think that's helping right now. Like I think the Falcons are, are getting the most out of him. So I do think it's going to continue actually. Between these two players going to the wide receiver position. Now, who do you think will be the more frustrating fantasy player to have invested in? between Julio Jones and Odell Beckham Jr. Oh, you have hit on two of my least favorite players in football. I despise them both. Uh, I say the most frustrating is still going to be Odell Beckham Jr. Uh, I think he's probably the most overrated player in football. Uh, if you look at his stats over the past couple of years, it's just meh. It's just average. Uh, there's nothing flair about him besides his personality. Uh, I don't think the offense is, is more running than pass. So we already talked about Baker Mayfield. Whatever his injury is, is not going away. So I can't see him doing any deep passes. Uh, you know, he's got a crappy attitude. When things don't go his way, he pouts. When he's got, you know, when he bends a toenail back, he's out for two weeks. Uh, so I would say Beckham for sure. Julio, I mean, Julio legitimately can't stay healthy. He left the game again last night. I don't know if he's going to be out. Uh, you know, and this was his first game back. So it just... He's another guy. We were talking about Antonio Gibson before that you just don't know if he's going to finish the game that he starts. 
So while I think both are hugely frustrating and I dislike both of them, I think Beckham will be the more frustrating. Ryan Hallam, Justin Fensterman with you from the Family Times podcast here every single week. We talk about just some of the trendy players and different strategies and just chopping it up regarding fantasy football and other sports. And with that, let's go to the family table here. We're both bringing something here. Matt Sell should be back for the next episode here, so he'll bring a whole lot to the family table. I'm going to start, Ryan, and because you're here and you've brought up Zach Collins, I'm actually going to talk about the Spurs a bit with the NBA season starting because this is a team that I feel like people have just completely forgotten about. You think of the Spurs, you're like, who would I want on my fantasy team from the Spurs? Who would I think about starting a DFS from the Spurs of all teams? Let me tell you guys something. Watch out for DeJounte Murray. When it comes to DFS, guys like Derek White, Jakob Pertl, even Keldon Johnson, who should be somewhat cheap to start, this is where your value is. If these guys can put it together and show that they can score, including someone like Lonnie Walker, who I think has that potential, but he just needs the consistent minutes and to be slotted in the consistent spot, not toggling between two to three positions. I feel like you can find some fantasy value there for the ends of your benches. Obviously not just DeJounte Murray, but before he goes up a crazy amount in price point, Ryan, DeJounte Murray, this is what it's come to for the Spurs. He's their top option. He's running the offense. Time of possession is going to completely favor him, should play deep into games. And with that, that's someone that, hey, you drafted him early, and if you're playing DFS and looking at props, you get on a guy like his early on a bad team before they start ballooning up after the first week of action. Yeah, I've been a fan for a very long time. There's been nothing to even watch for the past three or four years. Uh, for God's sakes, you know, we have people forcing their way off the team. So I'm hoping maybe I'll catch back on this year with uh, some good young talent and, and hope. Uh, I got to share you my, my team I drafted last night too, so you can tell me where I went wrong. But <laughs> it's it's a, a new season today, a lot of excitement. Uh, and you guys are just the best, you and John and James and Ray, you know, putting out the content, helping people win. I can't wait to start seeing screenshots of, of NBA winners. Oh, I'm ready. And I hope everybody else is as well. We've got everything from the starting five videos, which I'll be heading up along with the guys, DFS playbooks, value vault, showdown slates as well. And we're making sure we're making you better fantasy players as well in Discord. So make sure if you love the NBA and you're a hooper, make sure that you get some because that's why we want to take all that money from everybody else. And we want to win with pride and passion like a family. Mr. Hallam, what are you bringing to the table? I'm bringing Squid Game, baby. Did you watch Squid Game? No, I've heard about oh. it. So it's good. <laughs> yeah, definitely watch. Oh, no, I can barely watch Survivor. <laughs> this is uh, it's kind of like a uh, Korean Hunger Games for people in debt, and it's like uh, uh, play all these kids games and you die if, if you lose, and but you're all playing for these billions of dollars, and it's violent, it's crazy, but uh, if you get some time, you should definitely check it out. There you go. They're bringing new shows to the family table. You can give Ryan a follow at Fighting Chance. The cornerbacks wide receiver matchup report comes out every single week on the site. Ryan's also big time helping out with all things projections on the site as well. So make sure you catch his content, fantasyalarm.com. You can catch me, of course, on Alarm After Hours on Sirius XM Fantasy Sports Radio all week long, midnight Eastern. I have the rankings out already, of course, with it being week one. You got to have your rankings for players for NBA. Get your fantasy basketball line upset. 
And I'll be having an injury chart that will update each week and a waiver wire article that will come out each week as well for all of you season-long players out there. We got you covered, DFS. You got a whole lot of content. Let's all do it together. Family times, we out. Let's all win it together like one, like a family should, because a family that sticks together, Ryan. Wins together. Yeah, baby. See you next week.